there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast number 100. This is a small celebration for us. And uh, two years ago, when I started doing this podcast, I never imagined I will do that many. So I want to say thank you, my sincere thank you to all my listeners and subscribers and supporters and guests also without their support, without their expertise and insights, this would not be possible to achieve. And I hope to continue to doing this because uh, you guys write me all the time that this is valuable and helpful and inspiring in order to help you grow as an organist. So today's guest is a Dutch organist, Hugo Bakker, born in 1985. Hugo studied history, organ, church music, and harpsichord at Leiden University, the Rotterdam Conservatory, and the Lemens Institute in Leuven. His teachers for organ were Bernard Vincemius, Reitze Smits, and Luc Ponet. Harpsichord and organ continue, he studied with Chris Verhelst. Hugo won prizes in Pistoia, in Italy, and many other places, and besides, he was awarded the Swelling Müller's Prize in 2014. Hugo is organist of St. Martinskirk in Saltenbommel, where he plays the monumental Wolferts Heinemann organ from 1783. And besides, he performs as a soloist or as a accompanist, and he teaches and writes musicological articles. In this conversation, Hugo and I talk about his organist career and about the importance of focusing on the music, trying as many different organs as possible, and always continue learning. Let's go to the show. So, I'm so delighted that we're finally having this conversation, although technology was kind of slow this morning for, for me. So, thank you so much for waiting. For, for me to connect several times and staying on the line. You are in, in the Netherlands and I'm in Lithuania. We are in, talking in, on the beautiful Thursday morning, but I know our listeners will hear this on Sunday morning, on the 5th of June, uh, in, in about 10 days. And um, we'll be very, very much eager to know more about uh, uh, what this you do, what is your organist journey, what have you experienced in your way? Uh, what challenges you met on your way to becoming a good organist, for example? And what advice can you give for our listeners who are around the world also trying to perfect their organ skills? So thank you so much, Hugo, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Great. Uh, Hugo, uh, can you uh, share with us an experience uh, from your early days? How you first fell in love with the organ. Do you remember the story? Yes, I, I actually do not remember completely why I wanted to play organ. Um, in Holland, this is a little bit different as in um, as opposed to some other countries where you most of the time lose first the piano and then the organ. Um, in Holland, this is not really the case. Um, most people just start with organ playing. And so did I. Uh, I knew the organ, of course, from the church. Uh, but my parents didn't play any music or 
uh, in the neighborhood. I didn't know many uh, organ, so I really don't know why. But if I, if the time was there to choose an instrument, I said, "Well, okay, I want to play organ," and uh, <laughs> and uh, I just started, and then something. Uh, after a few years, I thought this is something which is really important to me. Uh-huh. So, uh, a few years yes. from the beginning, you started realizing that organ is going to play a very significant part in your life, right? Yes. Was it a gradual recognition or, or a, like an overnight uh, revelation? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think, um, like many colleagues, uh, in the first time when you think, okay, this is important for me, because of the social environment, you think um, it's not really possible to do to pursue a professional career because this is something out of the question uh, because you cannot have a normal career like other people. Um, so. You think, well, this is a nice uh, hobby or something. And then there is a moment that you think, I cannot do anything else. I just have to. And that that sense is, of course, a kind of revelation. Uh, but for me personally, this was uh, really related to music and not so much as to the organ as an instrument. Although, uh, well, it was my only means to make music. So the organ had to be it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, um, and uh, and of course, uh, and of course, uh, when organ exists, it never let me go. For many people, it sort of uh, love at first sight uh, when they discover the intricacy of the mechanics of the organ or the mystery of the instrument. By the way, what was it uh, so fascinating in the organ for you? What captivated uh, right away your attention? Yeah, of course, the organ has a very big sound. And of course, like a child, you're impressed by it and all the colors. And um, you think of it as a keyboard with all kinds of sounds and you're intrigued by it. Well, this, this of course, stays the same that you have... Um, some kind of fascination for all these sounds and um, especially when you uh, encounter beautiful organs. Um, But um, like many people in Holland, um, there is um, the the first surroundings of the organ, well, that was played very badly and uh, so you never think of it as something really musical and that only grows when you encounter some other music and um, then you think, oh, the organ is also capable of making music. Um, and that takes some time. Exactly. Um, at first, our experience can be quite uh, modest, right? Because uh, we, don't, we don't have the ability to play great music right away without mistakes to play hymns and improvise like great virtuosos. But, uh, you know, we're starting slow and simple, one step at a time. But if you practice relentlessly, you know, day in, day, na- day out, and every week you start to improve a little bit. Maybe you don't notice that. Or maybe you start noticing maybe after six months. Do you remember, uh, Uko, uh, when was the first time 
you discover that you are getting better at the organ? Well, um, I um, I was not talented at all, <laughs> so it took me always a lot of uh, time to to to, um, to to get better, especially in the beginning. Also, because like. Um, Maybe more people. I was. I, I went to a very nice uh, woman, a teacher, but she was not a professional organist, and it was um, something like many people did, like um, going to someone who was not professional. And so, well, of course, the advantages were not so fast in the beginning. And then I went to study something different. In the first, um, I, I, I started uh, to study sciences, but. I, I quit that, but then I took lessons with a professional organist, a very uh, well well-known organist, a very very good player, and um, yeah, well, that was kind of a revelation. Then I, I, um, I, I, I uh, was was advancing quickly, more quicker, and then I tried. Well, maybe I can do go to the conservatory after all, but I was not really. I thought I cannot do this. This will never be possible. But then I, I tried, and then I started, and then everything <laughs> went okay. So I stayed. I see. So uh, who was your first mentor? Can you share the name? Maybe he's still alive or she's still alive. and would like to be uh, appreciated uh, online and maybe... Um, yes, when I first uh, when I started at the conservatory, my teacher was uh, Bennett Vincenius. He's a very famous organist in Holland. Um, he's a specialist in 17th century music, um, and he is a he's a great musician. I maybe had some difficulties also with learning with him because um, uh, I had to, of course, to learn all the techniques, etc. And he is very towards the music. So that was in the beginning quite difficult, but he is an amazing musician. Uh, and uh, what did you learn from him uh, at first? Of course, you have to learn from fundamentals of organ playing, right? Uh, did you learn something else, uh, like improvisation maybe, or music theory and harmony skills with him too, that stuck, stuck with you for a long time? Well, unfortunately, when I uh, unfortunately when I started to study um, at the conservatory where I studied, uh, there were not many side subjects. So, so also, like uh, improvisation was not something which was um, taught very often. Um, fortunately, this changed when I went uh, went away there, and I studied also in another conservatory in in Leuven in Belgium. And there, uh, things are quite different. So there is a lot of theory. Like um, Belgium is more like a phase to watch uh, France with a lot of theory, a lot of harmony, counterpoint, etc. But in Holland, this was really not so not so developed. But I think it changes now. So this is a good case. But uh, when I started studying, I was really focused on main subject, just organ. Uh, so that's a pity. So I am very happy that I also studied in Leuven and I also studied harpsichord to, to do other things like uh, bass continual, etc. It's really great to study in several places, right? Because you, you get perspective from different people, right? Maybe your first teacher is a great uh, musician, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and 
you always will remember this. But when you get an experience with another professor from another area, maybe even from another country, then really what happens, your musical horizons and your personality can develop to the much greater extent, right? Uh, you sort of absorb many different cultures and become a, a, a part of what you experienced, right? Your, your, your life gets bigger, your character gets more developed, and your musicianship too. Uh, don't you agree? Yes, I agree very much. I would really advise everyone to uh, not stick to one teacher. Uh, whatever, I mean, it may be a great teacher, maybe a fantastic musician, but still then uh, it would be a good advice to to change teachers after you have your bachelor's or something. It's like uh, really studying just one style of music. Let's say you're in love with the, with the French Baroque, French classical, or North German, or the Dutch great master swing, right? And you only play swelling every day, every week, right? And um, it's great, right? Nobody can uh, really say that swelling will be bad for your health. <laughs> because he developed so many great North German organists, right? And, uh, and Dutch organists too, and, uh, and even Swedish organists. Basically, entire organ culture from Northern Europe is responsible uh, in part for, for, for Svelling's mastery. Uh, but today, in our day and age, we can learn from so many different areas and people, not only even from uh, organs, and, uh, but, but we can look... Uh, across the board, across the cultural environment and experiences, right? Every day we can be inspired. Yes, I think so. And I think it's also, uh, well, um, opposed to some... I think it's, it's a good idea to, 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 um, to discover some music and really get into it. But to be a specialist, I think... Um, it's a good thing to be a specialist on something, but if you also play some other music, this can also be very uh, helpful for um, uh, other music. Like if you, uh, um, well, let's say if you if if you want to play Swaling, it's fantastic. But um, it can be helpful to have studied also some really difficult pieces by Messiaen to <laughs> just only all. Also, really, I mean, you use other fingerings, of course, but I think it, it, it's helpful to be to play a big range of repertory and also a big range of organs because um, we can specialize on swelling. It's very nice, but the situation is not like that we can play only on um, organs like swelling hat. It, it's uh, utopia. So you have to be able to play on all kinds of organs so you better uh, take care you can. <laughs> Uh, uh, unless you are at Audekert, uh, uh, right? <laughs> Still, then we don't have the organ of swelling. I mean, they they, they have uh, the so the the, the big Vater Müller organ is very difficult to play in Audekert. So I I only know it before the restoration, but. Um, so still, then you have to be capable of playing really different kind of instrument. Mm -hmm. So, Hugo, uh, who was, what was your first organ piece that you learned uh, at the beginning? Uh, do you remember? Uh, <laughs> well, that's a good question. I think, really, of literature, I think it's the, the C major, Bach, uh, the 5-4, the what is it? Uh, Frida with the panel, the, the, the big chords in the beginning, the high C, and then the panel, T-T-T-T. <laughs> um, 
So this is short prelude and uh, a few which is a little bit somewhat like the what temperature. Five maybe or uh, it's not very very long. No, no, no. It's quite quite short. So you have to have a good piano technique too. Right. Well, that's something. This so um, I didn't learn. Be, I, I didn't learn any piano before starting the organ. This is uh, this is more or less uh, like everyone does it in, in in Holland. It's it's really different from the French tradition where you learn piano first. Um, well, it might be something. Which is a pity in some in some way because learning the piano, of course, teaches you very uh, very much about to share, etc. But um, well, <laughs> this is the way it goes, and it's okay. I mean, yes, um, I think nowadays you can uh, develop your finger technique not only on the piano but also on the harpsichord, clavichord, and other things. Yes. And that's how back in the day, in the Baroque times, the uh, organist practiced. Yes, yes. Tradition. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we, we are curious to know about what this is, means, about also about touché, etc. Because I think the um, people sometimes think it's good to practice on harpsichord, but the touché is, of course, very different. So um, on harpsichord, you have to release the key quite fast and if you do this in organ this is not so beautiful so you really have to think in different approaches I think and also if you for example learn a fresco ball toccata uh, my experience is that your interpretation is really um, influenced by the instrument you play on so if you start this on harpsichord I really have a different interpretation than organ this is of course quite logical but um, it's 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 not as easy. So, like co-practicing on the harpsichord, that's good, and then you can play on the organ. So maybe and back in the days, well, maybe this also says something about um, certain um, that it is a, in some way a little bit relative. The 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 the, the, the idea of performance. When you think about your early days of organ playing and now that you are developed organist, right, you can play basically anything you like, right, with ease probably. What what is different now and then? What is what was the most challenging thing for you at the beginning? <laughs> wow, that's a good question. I think um well the one of the challenges was that um of course, as we are an organist, uh, we can only make a lot of expression. Well, not only, but our main uh, thing of making expression is is, is using uh, the rhythm. I mean, our adjectives and, of course, articulation. But um, um, for me, it was a challenge like that. That uh, this 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 uh, desire to be expressive is uh, is um, uh, then the rhythm is a problem. That, that, that was one thing I really had to learn, that you you can make, uh, of course, crescendo, diminuendo on a piano or whatever instruments, but uh, you want you need to use other means on the organ, but that doesn't mean you can affect uh, the rhythm uh, that much. Mm-hmm. 
Wonderful. And um, uh, how about now? What is challenging to you right now? What is challenging to do right now? Um, <laughs> well, of course, every piece brings its own challenges. Challenges. I think always a very big challenge of playing the organ is all these different instruments, always getting accustomed, always. Um, it took it uh, take a lot of energy always to, to go to the to the maximum of, of, of getting the best registrations. Um, this is really something that, that uh, well, that, it will never go uh, easily, you also you always have to work because of this. I see. So, uh, what are you uh, spending your most uh, time on uh, now, Kuba? Uh, uh, what is uh, it is you do right now currently uh, as an organist? Well, currently I just made a, a recording. It's my actually my debut today. It's also with um, 21st century repertory. So um, the, the, the most of the time I spend with uh, with with contemporary repertoire right now. Also because I'm together with a colleague, I'm working on a book on a famous Dutch composer Jan Welmes, who's still alive. I made some really beautiful pieces. Um, so that are the things I'm working on right now, and then, uh, but of course because uh, all these different organs, uh, in, in effect, I cannot play always uh, contemporary music. Of course, so I I also spend a lot of time playing, uh, practicing or early music for concerts or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you have enough time to practice with all your activities right now, or do you have to spend your time wisely dividing between, you know, other things that you have to do during your day? But this is of course uh, always <laughs> a problem. Um, in, in Holland, we don't have like uh, in Germany that you can have a full-time job in church or something, or full-time job teaching. Uh, so you really have to be fine uh, with. Uh, job in church, a job with teaching, some concerts, uh, Jamie music as a hotspot player, um, all these things you have to try to carefully divide. And of course, uh, it's always just a fight for practice time, like <laughs> we all have. Also because of um, the churches. I, I work in a very beautiful church with a very beautiful instrument, but this means also that the church is so... Um, uh, it's, it's rented out sometimes, so it's always difficult to get there. Um, this is—I don't know whether this problem also is in 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 the Baltic states, but in in Holland, this is a very acute problem that uh, churches. Um, you well, of course, uh, there is a lot less of church attendance, but that also means that there is less income from churches, and they really have to. Um, make other ways of money by doing other things in churches, which of course is a problem for the organists to practice and to teach them. But I think, yeah. So the attendance of uh, church services 
in the Netherlands is not uh, great, right? Uh, you have we have empty spaces, and uh, I've been uh, to Netherlands a few times, and I've seen that uh, churches rent rent out uh, the building, right, for for some other cultural and not only cultural activities, maybe sometimes fashion shows and even cafes, right, in the buildings, and you yeah. have an interesting phenomena where you have this antique uh, 17th century organ back in the gallery and maybe in the choir loft too uh, uh, a little bit uh, uh, smaller instrument and, and you have sometimes uh, cafe uh, on the side right uh, where people can can buy some some uh, some drinks right uh, and get some coffee or something like that uh, because of course people don't go to churches anymore too, too often in our countries in, especially in Europe, and um, and churches have to really figure out the way to support themselves, right? Yes, and I think um, this is for now. This is just a fact. We cannot like a lot of organists um, go into the. They they want to defend, like to say, well, I want to defend the organ, um, and and. Before you know, you have a fight with, with something like uh, some powers who want to rent out the church and the organist at the other end. I think we should not do that. We, we really should choose now for um, uh, preservation of the organs, which means that we also have to think with the churches how the churches can survive. I mean, if, 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 not, if they won't survive also with uh, maybe with renting out or something, then the organ won't either. So... If you cannot beat them, just join them. And, and I think we really should do this now because the organ is in danger uh, more than any other time or maybe it's somewhat comparable as in the French Revolution or something. But um, this is a very important time for a lot of historical instruments. So that means also that all organists who are involved now have, of course, a great responsibility to uh, to seek what is best for this instrument. And I think that also means that you have to involve in this process of, of, of uh, well, how, what do we do with all these old buildings? Because if you retreat, then, um, then of course, uh, this means not, not any good for, for this instrument. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, technology today uh, provides uh, a lot of new opportunities, right? Even though attendance is diminishing in, in general, physical attendance. But imagine a situation where an organist uh, from the organ balcony in, in half-empty space can broadcast live their recitals, Right across the globe and thousands of people can join in live and uh, and even support financially because of that you uh, organists can find subscribers you know who can do recurring uh, payments in order to support these instruments or this organist you know or this organization whatever that uh, might be right maybe 10 years ago it wasn't possible right but now it's it's common practice so it's really really easy yeah, now to get I, attention I you have to use every means 
to mm-hmm. get something done. So I completely agree. But for me personally, nothing can, of course, uh, but this experience of this great acoustics, which are so much part of, of the organ experience, uh, you ask why are you fascinated by the organ? Yeah, well, something is also that it is, this magical play with the acoustics is so important part of um, of the organ more than uh, a lot of other instruments. So for me, um, the, 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 the the experience of being in the church and and to, to <laughs> is, is for me very important. So that cannot cannot be replaced by modern technique. But I agree that you have to use it. I mean, as was it only to. Maybe to uh, seduce some people to also get into this church one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, if, we, if we think about the instrument as only the physical, um, physical uh, device, right? Like a mechanical wonder, right? That's one thing. But if we think about the organ as a message or a vehicle for a message, something like, like, a, like. A, an organist transmits their message through the organ, right? Then mm-hmm. this not can mean uh, physical attendance, but can be quite digital across the globe because it's basically an idea we are as organists transmitting to the world and that can, can uh, take many, many shapes. Yes, yes. Exactly. So the man, it, it can take the shape of the experience in the church and also outside. Um, you can, of course, um, separate it also. Of course, what, what is important to you, the instrument is important to me, but also the music. and um, Or for me personally, the music is, the, is on the first place. Uh, and for other people, maybe the instrument is on the first place. These are different... Um, Approaches which are different, maybe uh, served by also different things. I mean, for me personally, the instrument cannot be experienced so well without the physical attendance in the church. But the music can sometimes. And um, I mean, we don't live in 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 in, uh, uh, in utopia, so you you have to use everything. Uh, also, if it maybe it's not. Um, I mean, we cannot play early music in a way which is 100% convincingly because um, nowadays the situation is, 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 is changed so much. So we have to accept that we have to make compromises and that means also like in using other techniques or um, we, ha- we just have to embrace these things and, and, and be prepared to compromise so that we can make our message more clear and convince people with, with this message. Completely agree. Completely agree, Hugo. Um, and um, uh, if, if now, if technology is so, so free for everybody, right? Of course, everybody is going to use it. So to get attention is going to get even more difficult because, you know, in, in a few years, maybe every organ in the world will, will be using technology like this to connect with people. Yes. Um, so what we do then is it's very important, probably, if we transmit from our hearts, if we transmit our true message, uh, basically 
if we are trying to be ourselves, not to copy some, somebody else what any great master is doing online or offline, but, but basically trying to spread our truth, then I think it gets easier regardless of the competition, regardless of how many other people are doing similar things, right? Mm-hmm. Agree. Right. So basically be yourself as an organist. Don't try to copy anybody else. If you want to be a specialist playing Messian, that's fine. If you want to specialize in Svelin, that's even better. You know, if you want to combine Messian with, with Svelin, nobody has done that, right? <laughs> uh, listen, you could create the chromatic fantasy based on octatonic scale that uh, Messian used. Nobody has done that. And you would be the number one in the world at this combination right you would be yeah, like very- uh, i think you 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 touched an important point and that is um this technology of, of broadcasting yourself and like everybody has some uh, movies on youtube etc is also meaning some of the times that that um of course we all listen also to it that also means that or let's say that this, there is a big danger that everyone plays in the end the same Um, because we listen to each other and we, we take the good things out, we, we leave the bad things out. Um, that means that more than in earlier days, maybe there is a kind of playing which is the most prominent. And you, I think you can hear this on competitions uh, and, and in a lot of um, concerts. Uh, people, whether you're from... Uh, from France, Italy or uh, Holland, uh, we all play the same, more or less. So it, it's more difficult. This technology makes it for us more difficult to, to find their voice at other hand, which is ourselves. But maybe this is not the most important thing because uh, we are not after ourselves, but we are after the music, of course. Uh, what does the music say? So I really think that the the only way out is to play new music and to come to have new music composed also because in the end we um um well there is so much I mean uh if 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 you because also of this new technology if I look uh, uh, a not so well known piece by failing there are already 20 recordings on the internet Um, and then you can, of course, for, try to be very extrovert and do some something strange, but that is not then, you, then you're not after the music anymore. So better than again playing this uh, piece, maybe you can have to play another piece, and that means that we need new music every day. Exactly. Uh, do you like new music? Do you like to play new music uh, regularly? <laughs> well, yes, I like this, and I try to have new music in every concert, and especially I am always looking for uh, new music for um, uh, also for historical instruments. A lot of contemporary music is is, is uh, not playable on the instruments in in Holland. I mean, the instruments in Holland are not made for literature, but are made for uh, congregational singing. So that means that uh, you have to make a lot of compromises, and especially in contemporary music, this can be a big problem. Uh, but 
happily now composers uh, embrace more of the, um, the the history of the organ and and also composers pieces for historical types of in, uh, types of instruments. I think that's a great thing. On the other hand, um, not everything which is written is is of course this is logical, but. Um, I don't like a lot of new music because uh, of how it's written. Like uh, uh, all these uh, neo styles, I, I I'm not very fond of it. Mm-hmm. And how about Hugo? Uh, do you compose yourself? Uh... <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I, I of course I think every musician is a. Uh, uh, is actually would like to have been a composer, but <laughs> uh, at the end, it always um, well for me. I didn't. Com- I don't compose something to play, but uh, in 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 in, the, in concerts or something. But maybe in the future, I, I um, it's something I want to leave open. But for now, I only compose for myself. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I think you touched a good point that every musician really has this urge to create, right? But he has also their fear of being not good enough, right? Being yes. not, not original enough, right? Not relevant enough. And um, when you first start to create, nonetheless, of these fears, uh, we discover that our ideas actually are better than the execution, right? We mm-hmm. always can up many, many beautiful melodies and harmonies and polyphony in our heads. But in writing, even in improvisation, to create it right away, it's, it's much more difficult than to think new ideas, right? So I think it, it depends on whether a person decides to stick with it for a while, to stick in regardless of how how good or bad it is uh, at the beginning, right? But you need a lot of courage uh, to do that. So. <laughs> I mean, like you said, we are used to live in this music of of Messiaen, of Alain, of, 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 of Ligeti or, or whatever, but um, I mean, this is of course such a fantastic music that um, and, and, and we practice it, so we, we live with it. So, if, yeah, it's, that, that is, of course, a big restraint to do something yourself. You mentioned uh, Messiaen, Alain, and Ligeti, right? Those great masters of the 20th century. Imagine one of them was very shy at the beginning and decided, oh, my music sucks, I, I better... Not, maybe Messian was shy, right, at the beginning, and he, he said, oh, maybe maybe Marcel Dupre is better than me, right, and maybe, uh, maybe I will stop composing because I'm not good enough. I can create those beautiful, you know, uh, harmonies, but I will not be able to write as beautiful as bird songs, as bird can sing naturally, right? Mm-hmm. I can do but I will not be like a real natural bird. Uh, so Messian, he, he might have been really very shy. I hope he was not, but, but maybe. <laughs> we know he was not. So, I mean, I, I think uh, it's unbelievable of course, how we can... He was so young and already 
such a language which is so much uh, there. Well, this is of course so unbelievable that he, it must have convinced himself also. <laughs> exactly, but he was better at the end than at the beginning, definitely, right? He made the progress, right? And if he didn't believe that he will make a progress, he probably would have stopped, right? Because it would have been pointless to do the same thing over and over without any... Yes, but of course, this is, I think, um, this this has also meant uh, for Messi on some crisis. I mean, he did, of course, wonderful things, and maybe after I'm I'm not I'm not a specialist, but after the Mesela Pantocot or something. Um, I mean, if you look to the <clears throat> meditations, uh, I think you can feel this crisis. Like what I have to do now. Then he invent some things with the alphabet. For me personally, somewhat less convincing. So he had his wonderful harmonies, and then the wonderful bird songs, and then the, the serial writing. And what was next? Probably, um, probably this was also a very difficult point for him. And then it took him a lot of time to write some other organ music. And then you have these meditations, of course, and the leaflet, which are some way a catalog, a catalog of what he already did. So, I mean, also for the big composers, this is, of course, always uh, a problem to be original, also to yourself. Exactly. When we, even if we are no great composers, but if you just create something, right, and we discover that, oh, this piece or this style would work, right, and we write, 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 write for months and, and even years and even decades in this style, and little by little we get tired of this style and decide, oh, we need something else, something new. But something new doesn't come so easily, right? And <laughs> people might get discovered, discouraged and stop creating at all and wait for, you know, inspiration. <laughs> but what uh, great creators do, they, they create constantly without inspiration. And inspiration will come later, probably. Exactly, exactly. That, that, but that takes a lot of courage, a lot of time, and also some luck and support. Uh, I mean, everything has to be at the right place at the right moment to, to, uh, to be able to do that. But like I said, Messiaen did. Um, so it, it's possible. But of course, it's not only a problem of individual composers. I mean, uh, this this really a problem of style is 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 much more a problem now than uh, in 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 baroque, baroque time or in uh, romantic times. I mean, of course, these composers always thought about style, but now also our style is so much. Um, um, it's related, of course, to the question: what what can we do with without tonality? What what will we do next? Um, this is this is not only a question of individual composers, but of for every composer. Wonderful. Um, so, Hugo, uh, we have talked a lot, a lot about um, uh, about uh, those internal struggles that organists and composers face every day. Probably, when you think about it, um, what would be three steps in your mind in order to become a great organist? Yes, the first step is I think that you 
don't think anymore in being the best or something that that, that, that that kind of competition you leave away and that you only will that you will only have a quest for the notes so so that you focus on the notes and of course you have to play them so you have to also um think about how you play them and and i think you have to do some research also to information related to uh, performance practice of course and to go as far as you go but to think in well i want to be better or something is something that um is a little bit of uh, vanity you should if you focus on the notes it's also kind of relief because what other people think will become less important but of so, course it's a struggle <laughs> wonderful so the first step is probably not to not to strive to be the best, right? Not to try to be the best. No, to focus just on on, on notes and, and less as yourself as a uh, performer. Um, the second uh, step. Well, the second step is, of course, for how do I translate this? So you have to um, um, to, to 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 gain in technique, uh, of course. Um, my advice is also don't don't stick to I think it's very helpful to do as many different things as possible and to play on as many different organs as possible. Try to be versatile and, and not um it can be very um uh don't don't narrow yourself down too much. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> Well, always stay learning. I mean, uh, I, I, I also nowadays still play for people and ask their op- opinion. Never be afraid of uh, uh, ask other people what they think because it's always helpful. And um, it's something of vanity that we stop learning. I mean, in, in, in the vocal world, it's, it's very common to have coaches all the time. You are performing also the very great singers. But in organ playing, we go to conservatory and then we stop. And this is really, uh, the organ repertory is too rich and, and the, all these different instruments. It's such a great uh, richness and, and just, we, we cannot learn this in 10 years or 15 years. We just go on. And Wonderful. I don't... <laughs> it's, it's your advice is complex but also very very simple right the first step is basically focus on the notes the second is uh, try out as many different organs as you can and the third probably is always be learning right exactly right thank you so much Hugo. I, I, I really feel that this conversation will inspire a lot of people to get better at what they do at uh, playing the organ at creating and sharing uh, at, at uh, expanding uh, their technological skills maybe take it advantage of new technology that uh, gives new possibilities today so uh, now uh, could you share um, uh, with our listeners a link where they could find uh, more about you and your work online um, I have a website. It's quite modest. I have to confess. I have to work at it. Um, it is uh, www. org. 
so easy to uh, remember. Um, but um, I, I will update it soon, and then you can also find uh, information about the uh, new CD, which will arrive at the 8th of July. And you can also find a link to my uh, little music publishing house. I also publish some music also by other uh, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can you can find it on the website. Wonderful. I'll sp- spell it out. H U G O B A K K E R dot O R G. Right. Yes, that's exactly. That's your website. Wonderful. I hope people will visit uh, and get to know more about you and your work. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you will have a great, tremendous creativity this year and the next year also. Let's keep in touch and uh, and I hope to inspire a lot of people around the world. Thank you. Thank you very, very much and uh, have a nice day. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vidas Pinkavichus. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you online really soon.